0: Welcome to Living a Maintenance Life. I'm the host and creator, Carlos Damian, a.k.a. Los AFEfe. This podcast is about our Shogun Warriors. It's about their stories, their perspectives, and insight into their lives. My hopes for this podcast is to have conversations with different maintenance pros from across our group in order to learn each other better. Over my career, I've served as a maintenance pro, MTI, and First Sergeant. I've met amazing people from across the globe, But right here and now, I get the privilege to serve with 2,400 maintenance professionals. Here are some of our conversations. All right, welcome to Living a Maintenance Life. I have a guest from the 44th AMU. Go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Tech Sergeant Christian Marquez. I work at the 44th, and I'm a flight line expediter.
0: So you got an expediter in the house. Sir. Hardest job in the world?
1: it can be at times.
0: What's the most challenging part of it from your aspect?
1: My aspect is probably dealing with the back shops, I would have to say.
0: Why is that difficult?
1: Because they don't work directly for any of us. So there's a lot more like, you know, yellow tape and stuff you got to get through and
0: competing resources, if you would.
1: Yes. And then they also got to help, you know, red and the North side and everybody else on the base. It's not just blue and me, I'm just thinking about my jets and no one else's jets.
0: So it's hard, you know. Like they have a, they have a lot of different resources that are, that are spread out in the EMS and CMS uh, back shops. Yeah, definitely, they're definitely a workshop, and then the competing resources are uh, can be all over the place. What's your hometown?
1: I'm originally from New York, New York City. Okay. I spent some years in Columbia as a child. My parents wanted me to learn the language and the values there, so Spanish is my first language. Okay. And then I didn't learn English till so I started school.
0: When did you start school in America?
1: Uh, when I was like 10.
0: When you were 10 years old? Oh, wow. So what part of Colombia?
1: My family's from Tuluá. It's about an hour outside of Cali. Okay.
0: Beautiful area?
1: It was pretty nice. Just a lot of farmland.
0: That's why you fly into Colombia, and it's just absolutely beautiful. It's breathtaking because you don't know how beautiful it's going to be until you get there. You hear some of the... Uh, You you watch some of the television hype and stuff, and you get out there, and you're like, golly, that's a beautiful area. What about the borough? What borough are you from? Queens. Queens? I
1: grew up in Jackson
0: Heights. Okay. All right. How's that influenced you uh, along the way?
1: It's been tough sometimes because New Yorkers have a rep, and sometimes when we speak and we tend to be passionate about certain things, a lot of people are thrown off by that thinking that it's, you know, you're being aggressive or you're just not being a nice person and it's not that at all it's just we're passionate people
0: yeah how does that blend with coming from Colombia as well like you know you, it's the dichotomy the two different areas is one kind of cool you down and the one oh, hypes you up or are they both pretty uh passionate and I would say more aggressive
1: Oh, or no, Colombians are pretty hot headed too oh, are pretty they? aggressive okay. yeah it's from both ends and then you throw in the fact that I basically think in Spanish so a lot of times I'm doing translations in my head and then even now, even now, yeah. How old are you now? I'm 33. So you're 33,
0: and you still do that that, that mental calculation as you guys go as you go back and forth with it. Mm-hmm. So how was it reading TOS when you first came in then?
1: It was different. It took a while. I just when I was an airman, we had all the paper ones. It's been 13 years since I've been in, so we you were little, right on the <laughs> precipice of the third. Okay, okay. So we had the paper ones. So you just sat in the back of the truck, and you were just reading through, uh, three, TOS and stuff like that just trying to pick up as much as you could and kind of like not let people know that. Cause I didn't want to get made fun of,
0: you know, how common that, that theme is though. It is out there. I've had numerous people on this show. And then, you know, uh, along along my career, they were like, I had to really think about it. There's a, a senior mass sergeant that I was talking to yesterday who was, uh, English was his uh, second language. He was born in Puerto Rico. And he, he was like, man, I, I would just say not say anything like I would act like I knew stuff and then I would have to go back and read it two or three more times. And then he said, you know, once you understand the concept of it, you're good. You have a little bit of that as well.
1: A lot of that just in my head. And yeah, just like the senior master sergeant you're talking about, just go home, think about it, just read up on it some more. And then basically it's just stuck getting there and stuck.
0: So, you got a favorite quote? And you got a favorite song or a favorite movie that, like, symbolizes who you
1: are? Off the top of my head, like, the Fast and the Furious movie, how, like, family-oriented they all are. Okay. And how, like, they have their little tight-knit. They don't have a lot of people outside of it. I'm kind of, like, the same, like, way like that. I have a tight-knit group of people I trust, and I confine in, and I'm, like, one of the loyalist people you'll ever meet.
0: And then you get that... That's that's one of the things. Like when you said Fast and Furious, I thought you were gonna say something about the cars. It's more about the family orientation. Yeah, yeah. Like how close they're
1: click, you know, with Dom and all the other guys, it's just basically them and anybody outside looking in. They always have each other's back. so yeah, that's, that's cool. how I grew up.
0: This podcast is living a maintenance life. We live a very different life than a lot of other folks out there in the world. Um, we're maintenance professionals in a, do- a lot of different areas, from backshop folks to our analytics folks over here, to folks that work in mock, to your all your specialties, your crew chiefs, your loaders. Um, we got muns out there. We have a ton of different, you know, cats and dogs in the maintenance profession here. So a lot of influential maintainers. Not necessarily having to be here, but who's the most influential maintainer you've ever met?
1: I'd have to say uh senior ms sergeant Michael Blake. Okay. How he so? was a blue pro super, and now he moved up to the squadron. He was really knowledgeable on avionics stuff and I'm avionics. So me and him had a lot of would have a lot of heated back and forth as me being a specialist driver at the time and him being the pro super. And, but he knew his stuff. So I guess he was just checking to see if I was just trying to feed him some stuff that was not real or actually, like, looking out and, like, hey, this is what I think is best. So he tested me and tried me a lot and, like, gained his, like, I respect the hell out of him.
0: What are some of those leadership characteristics that he has that you you feel like you want to carry on?
1: Nothing phases him. He's unfazed by a lot of stuff. There's his reaction's the same whether it's it's good or bad or in between it's the same reaction like I wish I could learn how to be that way because again like I said before you know the New York side of me kicks in and kind of like a like a hothead or just emotional sometimes yeah because trying to learn how to keep that in trying to keep that check. in the
0: wraps a little bit you've been a supervisor for how many years now?
1: I've put on staff in 2012, so gone on eight and a half years of being a supervisor. Say so
0: eight and a half years. You've seen a lot, especially as an expediter. What do you value out of, a, out of your airmen or your uh, subordinates, folks that work for you?
1: What do you value out of that? Honesty. Honesty. And giving me 100% for the eight hours that I have them. Okay. They may not fix the jet, they may take five, six, a bunch of different times to learn a concept, to learn a system, but as long as they're giving it their all and they're just being honest and trying, that's all I can ask for. And you're patient with that? If they're giving me what I just said, if I feel like they're kind of slacking off or not all, like, there or whatnot, kind of, at that point, you start pushing the button a little bit more. How long have you been in the truck? I drove for the specs for three years. Mm-hmm. And I've been a flight line expediter now for six months.
0: What about a leader or a supervisor? When you see leaders out there and uh, supervisors that you've had along the way, what do you value out of your uh, um, your supervisors?
1: I like the ones that are the ones that do as I do and not do as I say. Okay. Those are, are the ones that have stuck the most with me. Like, I want to be like those guys. Like, if I tell somebody to do something, I need to be willing to do it myself and not just because I have more a higher position or more rank.
0: When have you seen that manifest itself? Like a story of like, man, this is when I've seen it on the bad way, and this is when I've seen it, uh, you know, really on the good on, on the good spectrum. You're gonna drop no names, of course. I'm just.
1: I've been in units before where we had senior NCOs that basically just dictated everything, micromanaged a lot of the stuff, and nobody wanted to work for them. So a lot of work didn't get done on them shifts.
0: Thirty three times around the sun. Got a lot of soul searching learning who you are, what makes you you?
1: Never been asked that question.
0: I get that quite a bit. (laughs) But shouldn't we be asking each other that? Like, what are you? Who are you? A lot of times we miss that.
1: I'm the guy at work who's going to ride you your whole shift. I'm going to push you, and if I feel you can give me more, I'm going to try to give you more. I'm going to try to get more out of you. Um, When we get outside of work, I'm that same guy that, you know, whatever's going on, I'm there to listen to you, be there for you, go with you, take care of you. Whatever you need no questions asked. You know, I'm Christian first mm-hmm. whenever you need that. But we do have a job to do. And so I feel like I do both roles.
0: So did you get that from your family, from your background? Do you feel like that, that's, uh, that was a big influence in
1: you? Uh, yes. It's just, I like, again, growing up in Columbia for certain years. The little town is pretty close, tight-knit with each other. You just take care of each other.
0: Tell me a story about the growing up in that town of when you when you knew that, hey, I, I live in a great environment that's teaching me, um, teaching me values. You had any stories or anything that, like, wow, this really stuck, stuck out to me when I was growing up, I saw this, and this is how the community reacted to
1: it? When people came to visit from the States, hmm. they came, like, you know, with fancier clothes or fancier shoes or they had a little bit more money to spend around and their houses would have like a second floor. So that was that that stuck out.
0: Pretty humble where you're growing up, so a lot of humble folks. Yeah,
1: it was a you you got by. It was a day to day grind to get by.
0: So being in the in the Air Force for for a few years now, what is something you like? What is something you dislike? And what is something you'll change? The one one and one.
1: I like the camaraderie. I like the fact that most of the people that I work with and work with me, I can rely on on any you know, bad day, good day, if I need somebody for whatever reason. like I think that's the best thing about being in the military. Like You spend more time with the people you work with than with your own family. So they, in essence, become your family.
0: What's it like?
1: when having people sometimes with more rank telling you what to do and how to do your job when they really never been in your foot in your shoes or don't really know how to do their job
0: what is something that you would focus on changing i'm saying you have to figure out how to change it but what is something you would attack
1: being able to talk to certain people with more rank in an open environment where you can you know have your opinion be heard and say what you really feel about certain things and just speak your mind more freely, more often in a informal setting so they know like your thought process and where you're coming from.
0: So you've been in, how 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 many times you re-enlisted? Twice. Twice now?
1: About 13
0: years. What other bases you been at?
1: Started in Mountain Home, then went to Osan in Korea. Lake Heath in England, Nellis, and now here at Cadena.
0: Wow, oh, you got some good bases on there. been lucky.
1: With the exception of the first one, yes.
0: You didn't like Mountain Home?
1: I didn't like the area, but the people were awesome. Yeah. I think everybody was stuck in a crappy place, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no disrespect to anybody from Idaho.
1: <laughs> Coming from New York City. Oh, I can only with imagine. 10 million people to my first base being a town with more cows than people. That was rough. <laughs>
0: So what kept you coming back? What kept, what keeps you in?
1: That camaraderie I spoke about. Okay. I have two cousins, one that's a retired Marine and one that got out after 10 years. And both times that I was thinking about re- reenlisting, not realisting, getting out, they were like, Chris, make sure, make sure that's what you want. Because on the outside, nobody cares about anyone else. They only care about themselves. You don't have that brotherhood and sisterhood that you have in the military.
0: Isn't it crazy sometimes, though? They, like, people in the military say that, too, and they're like, you're going to miss it when you're gone. Every uncle, every cousin, every friend that I've gotten uh, or I've had along the way who served, they ask what the number one they, thing they say they just like, hey, I miss that camaraderie. I miss that. I know if I ask for something or if I need something from somebody else, they're going to deliver it to me. You know, they're, they're, that camaraderie, that team building, that teamwork, and sometimes we don't even see it right there when it's right in front of our faces. So I'm glad you said that. Um, you got mar- you married, kiddos? No, no married not married, no kids. So your family's still back home? Are they proud of you?
1: Yes, they are. Uh, my mom has like a wall of Christian. She, every little thing that I get, I just send it to her, and she loves. She eats it all up.
0: Oh, absolutely. So she's back there and she's supportive of you. What about your you know aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, cousins?
1: My mom, my grandma, and my sister. So my immediate family is all very supportive of me. And my extended family, I'm the only one that ever left New York. People go to New York, they never want to leave. Oh, absolutely. I go to New York, and I want to leave after 10 days. <laughs> Too many people. To you like it the it.
0: first two days?
1: It's nice to see the family, but after a while, it's like, I need my space. I need my car, whatever it is, <laughs> fresh air. <laughs> I love New York, don't get me wrong. But I also love not living in New York.
0: What's the first place that you eat when you go back home? Chinese food. Chinese food? Yes. <laughs> I didn't expect that. Never okay. fails. What you got a spot out there?
1: Uh yes. The one that we grew up on. It's like a couple blocks away from the house.
0: Like a mom and pop
1: shop? It's called what? Yummy's Kitchen.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> and they come out there and they just they, they they cook it up for you, huh?
1: I call in from the time I leave the airport to have it delivered. Really? Oh yeah. So by is the time that I get home for me it is What's the dish? Pork fried rice with spare boneless ribs. Oh, yeah. And then chicken and broccoli that's on like the side. like kind of
0: pink on the outside, too. Yep. Oh, that's it. Like that that's, is
1: that is my go-to dish. Not the home-cooked meal, the Chinese food, and the pizza <laughs> the next day. Because New York pizza is the best pizza out there.
0: You know, I grew up in California, and I heard that for years. And then right before we got stationed here, uh, my wife, uh, my family, and I were stationed in McGuire. And I had, you know, I've flown to New York. I've been in New York a couple times. But I had no idea. I really didn't appreciate it until after the first that and hoagies and cheese steaks. And I'm like, man, this. When you fold a slice and and that it's dripping, that is the that's the hook there. That is absolutely it.
1: It, it 100% is. Uh, there's no no disrespect to Chicago, but that's a sandwich. <laughs> that all that bread and all that vegetable stuff. No, it's like you said, fold it in half. Watch the grease. That's a pizza,
0: so you don't you don't t- put the napkin on the pizza or anything like that. I've seen that too, and it I thought, part. yeah, that's <laughs> why not? Why are you eating pizza if you don't like the grease on it? That's for sure. All right, so you talked about adversity in your career. You talked about having to um, sometimes analyze different things as you, uh, you, you know, as you were coming up as a young airman um, in your life. It doesn't have to necessarily be about, about the air force or maintenance. Uh, or anything. It's a wide-open question. What is some adversity you've had to deal with, and how'd how'd you get past it?
1: A year ago last week, my dad died. And we were deployed downrange. And we had been there for two weeks. And the shirts and everybody asked if I wanted to go home. And at that point, I felt like, you know, my dad was already gone, and he's in Columbia. And COVID. There's no point for, like, to put people through all the jumped through all those hoops and stuff to get me home. So they all took care of me. They all got me through that. I'm very thankful for those people that were with me at the time. That was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with, and I think the military is what got me through it. Really? Yeah, it made it so much easier than it was, actually. People, they knew what to say, when to say it, how to say it. If I needed space, they left me alone. If I needed someone to listen to me, they listened. I'm forever thankful for that small group of people that were there with me.
0: In a deployed environment? In the
1: deployed environment, yes.
0: So I'm sorry for your loss. Was your father uh, supportive of your career?
1: 100%. I had a few t- chances to go see him, but it was a very inconvenient times for certain trips and certain stuff, and then... As an avionics guy, you do certain things at work, so it's harder to travel sometimes. And he was like, no, don't mess that up. He's like, we'll see each other whenever. We'll see each other again someday or sometime, somewhere we will meet again. So he
0: 100%. Supported you all the way through. Didn't want me to mess that up. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a special bond between a father and a son because they're proud of you, they're pushing you forward, and... They want you to succeed. They want to. Put, they want to make sure that you know you're taken care of, and then it's probably awesome to you know as me as I watch my boys go out there into the world and try to conquer it. You know, you think that same thing. You're just like, wow, just to get, just get it, Mijo. Just get it. Just go out there and you know do your thing. So for the last 13 or so years, what would you tell? Because I'm sure you give a lot of advice to airmen. You give a lot of advice to all kinds of folks out there. But what would you give yourself? What piece of advice are you giving? you
1: listen to the guys and girls and girls that are trying to teach you they're not just telling you things to hear themselves talk or to show you how much they know they're legit trying to impart their wisdom onto you and don't fight them back as much and don't be so stubborn they're trying to help you and it would make certain things in my career a lot easier to deal with and learn had i been more open and receptive to what those NCOs were trying to do when I was a young Airman and, and even a young NCO.
0: Probably had a pretty memorable career. You've been in a lot of bases in these last few years. You've had a lot of experiences. You've deployed, you've gone to What is a memorable maintenance story that sticks out in your head? Something that could be funny, it could be uh,
1: like somber,
0: it could be anything. But what is a maintenance story that you found to be pretty memorable?
1: I the it uh, last year. It wasn't even on a TDY. It was here at home station. Uh, we finished a week-long exercise last March down in blue. And about four hours later, we're still picking up the stanchions and all the stuff from the exercise that just ended. And then we're told that we're going to generate for something else. And we all thought that it was like a joke. It's like, no, you guys are generating because you're potentially going to go somewhere. And then nobody really complained. Nobody really said anything everybody just kind of threw their mop gear in their car and went right back to it and
0: that's something to be said with the ma- that maintenance life that it's difficult it's difficult when you at the end of a long hard day maybe want to have a beer go get a slice of pizza go hang out a little bit and then you look down to it the pro super or yourself as an expediter you gotta look him in the face and say hey another round I need you for another round. You need to step in the ring one more time and you know get after it. So I'm glad you're out there doing that. I'm Glad you're out there serving us uh, as a blue expediter, making things happen. Um, so thanks for being on the show. And any parting shots?
1: Uh, thanks for having me. This is pretty pretty cool. Hopefully, some of the younger ones listen to some of some of these, especially coming from you and other people in different perspectives and ranks see what they have to say in an informal environment
0: teammates again thank you for listening if you or anybody you know wants to be a part of the show hit me up on facebook instagram or twitter los af jefe be happy to have you on the show this podcast is not endorsed or sponsored by the department of defense or the united states air force though we may use name ranks and duty titles This podcast is strictly opinion-based by the member and myself. Cleared off headsets. Los AF out.